0: There were, these were factors, there we go, that were completely out of my control. Now I can talk a little softer. They were out of my control. I couldn't, I didn't have any control of those things. And in our world today, there are a lot of things that affect us. There are a lot of things, a lot of factors all around us where we have complete and utter no control that was a totally terrible sentence I understand but we have no control over things in our life factors that we just that just happen and this morning we're we're told in Hebrews chapter 5 that we can have confidence we can have assurance of one thing something that's so important So as we read God's written Word, this is God's mouthpiece to us. As we look at God's Word this morning, His Word tells us that we can have confidence and assurance of our salvation, and in our salvation, with no factors that will change, no factors that will affect that assurance. There isn't anything in the Christian life that is more crucial than the assurance of your salvation. So our big idea this morning, a big idea this morning is that Christian, the Christian, you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, can have assurance of salvation because Jesus is the better high priest. The Christian can have assurance of salvation because Jesus is the better high priest. And we're going to unpack that, we're going to explore it, and we're going to dig into it. So let's read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 through 10, and we'll jump right in. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Pray with me one more time. God, we come to you now and and we know that, that you are good. We know that you are kind and that you deal gently with us. You love us and you are full of grace. But we also know that you are just, that you are holy, that you are pure, that you are right. God, help us this morning to have a a true, right understanding of who you are and who we are. Help us also to see the sin that's in our life the way that you see sin, the way that you view sin, the way that you grade, if that is even a word to be used here the way you view our sin. God, help us to see that this morning. God, we are at your mercy, and we ask that you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the big idea is the fact that a Christian can have assurance of salvation because Jesus is the, high, the better high priest is point one, is the main point this morning. Um, and I say that because there's three points. Point one. And then two and three are implications of point one. And I want to tell you that because it may get a little confusing. So here it's laid out. One, two, and three. Two and three are implications of point one. Point one, we have assurance of salvation because Jesus is the better high priest. Verses one through four opens up with describing the high priest. A man, a person whose sole responsibility and sole purpose was dealing with God's people's sin. That was it. Verse 1 says that he was would act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So on behalf. In other words, this man, this high priest, was the representative of the people. He was the mediator of the people. And he was in between. He was the middleman between God and man. So if the high priest didn't do his job, the people's sins would not be atoned for, would not be accepted and forgiven. This system was established by God when he gave him the law. So a man, a human being, was called by God, was was set apart by God to offer sacrifices for the people. Brad touched on this last week about the high priest on the Day of Atonement would go into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice one for himself, which our scripture says, but then also for the, for the people of God. He would atone for their sins through the sacrifice of animals. And not just for himself, not just for the people, but also for himself, because he too was imperfect. He too was sinful. He too was a man representing God's people. It's important to note here that the high priest had to be a man. It couldn't just be an animal. There had to be a man set apart to represent man. This man was chosen by God to deal with the sins of God's people. But what we can't miss, and what we can't just walk away or dismiss this morning, and we we sometimes kind of glaze over this, is the reason for the high priest in the first place. The reason for the high priest is because of sin, Somebody has to deal with sin. The definition of sin is doing, saying, thinking, or imagining anything that is not in perfect conformity with the mind and law of God. Did you catch that? Doing, saying, thinking, imagining anything that is not in perfect conformity with the mind and law of God. 1 John Chapter three tells us that sin is lawlessness. Sin is without law, is without rules, is lawlessness, it does not matter. I don't think that that modern Christians, and I wonder about us in this room even, have a right understanding of the doctrine of sin. You're probably going, wait, 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 I understand. It's bad. Sin's bad, God's good, got it. Okay, so be honest. The moment of honesty now. Think about your life. Think about the last week. Think about the last day. Think about the last few hours. Is your sin on a grade scale? Be honest. Do you think that some sins in your life are more egregious than others? Do you think that that because I don't do those things, I'm okay when I do these things, or vice versa See I think I think we do more than we're willing to admit Because I know I do And I'm not your representative and I'm not your high priest but I do I look around and I compare and I say well I'm not that So I'm okay Or I don't do that I don't struggle with that Our world around us accepts some sins more than others, too. So not only are we wrestling with it on the inside, but we're also being shaped and formed by the world outside of us that some sins aren't as bad as others. Those lines of right and wrong and and sin and not sin are being blurry every day more and more as we go. The gray areas are growing because of political correctness or where we don't want to hurt feelings. But none of that is true. None of that is true. Sin is doing, saying, thinking, or imagining anything that is not in perfect conformity with the mind and law of God. None of that is, is, is biblical. If we, if we believe that there's specific sins that are more than others and graded, and, and I don't need to repent of that because it's such a small one, or I don't need to confess that, or, or whatever... Jeremiah 44 tells us that sin is an abomination that I hate. God's words, an abomination that I hate. Habakkuk tells us that God can't even look on sin because he is holy, pure, perfect. James 2 verse 10 says that you break one law and you are guilty of them all. Ezekiel 18 tells us that the soul whose sins shall die. Romans 6 tells us the wages of sin is death. And if that's not bad enough, like if that's not, man, sin is important, sin is serious, Romans chapter 2, verse 16 says that God will judge the secrets of men. Ouch. Ouch. Revelation 21 then says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. That's enter into the new Jerusalem or the new heaven. And this isn't just some fairy tale or Grimm's uh, story. This isn't some, some story that we just share and talk about. This is our story. This is us. We are all the same. And none of us are innocent. Nobody is neutral. Flip over a few books to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, really quick. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. All of us. Are sinful. None of us are perfect. This is who we are. We are born into this world, corrupt and broken, sinful creatures. Now I know some of you might be thinking, "Now, you know, uh, Jared and Caitlin just had a new baby. Now, surely Grant is not guilty. What has he done? He's only been alive for six hours." Okay, I, I, I kind of, I hear that. But scripture says we are born into sin. And in about a year, Grant is going to be stealing something or taking something from Grayson. Did Jared and Caitlin teach him that? Heck no. It's just in him. It's who we are. We're born into this. They're the vipers in diapers, if you will. That's who we are. We've come out of that. This leaves no room for you and I to grade sin in our life. This leaves no room for have different stages of, of repentance. Well, God knew I didn't mean to do that, so, and He knows that I would, I, I've repented of it. No. Call a spade a spade. Sin is sin. Now you may say, I, I'm not that bad. I hear you. I hear those words. But how many of you guys have been to the zoo? Everybody in here been to, been to the Memphis Zoo or A Zoo, right? You ever been to the zoo where, I don't know, it, it's stinkier than normal? Like like for some reason, or, or driven by and you're like, whoo, those animals. I don't know, the elephant. I don't know what's going on. But there's just, it's some days are worse than others. We've all, we've all experienced, especially living here in Midtown, right? But do you think that the rhinos are saying to one another, man, I really wish those antelope would move because they are stinking up the place. Well, of course not, because one, rhinos, animals don't talk. But two, animals don't pay attention to the stink. It's what they have. It's what they are. It's part of their life. You don't see an animal moving away from another animal when he's doing his business. That doesn't happen. Because, because the animals just live in that mess. You know, you may say, "Yeah, but I, I'm not that bad." Like uh, you're not that bad because you're not smelling yourself. You're not smelling the, the sin in your life. You can't you can't smell it. You don't you don't notice the stench of sin. Now, now, Christian, hear me. If you don't think you're that bad, question. I would question your faithfulness. I would question your relationship with Jesus. If you can say with a straight face, "I'm not that bad." There's no room for that. And if you can smell your sin, if if you're disgusted by it as we drive by the zoo, if you're like, whoo, I am awful, then be encouraged this morning because there is good news. There's a a God whose, whose handiwork is absolutely perfect and has provided a system of hope This this high priest sacrificial system is a system of hope established by God. Now, you may may say, now, Chris, if the high priest was a man, right, a a sinful man, and and if what you say is true, that, that all men, all of us are sinful, and they're all separated from God, they're actually all enemies of God, if all of that is true, Chris, then and, and this man is representing the people of God to deal with their sin and, and his sin before God. Like, if all of that is true, then, then doesn't this system seem like a, a fatalistic system? Like, it's going to fail no matter what? Like, it was destined to fail from the beginning? Does it make sense? And, and yes, it can't work. It doesn't work. That's the point. The system of the high priest was to point to something or someone better. The system of of the high priest working on and dealing with the sins of the people was to establish that nobody on earth can save themselves. Not a person can deal with their sin. God was gracious to allow it to work for a time, but it's not foolproof. It's got errors in it. It was meant to fail. Because Jesus is the better high priest. This this idea that Jesus is a better high priest, that he is our high priest this morning, is going to be revisited over and over and over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus came from heaven, fully God sent to, to earth to be fully human. He lived on earth, from birth to death, 33 and a half years old. He had all the emotions and all the trials of being human. In fact, the text from last week, verse 15 in chapter 4, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have this man who has experienced everything that we've experienced. This man named Jesus who who was angry but did not sin. Who was in anguish but did not sin. Pleading with God to the point of sweating drops of blood from his body. Knowing what was going to happen after the Garden of Gethsemane. In the garden pleading with him in anguish but not sinning. A man who was broken hearted and saddened at the death of his friend Lazarus. Or broken hearted and saddened at the, the lostness and the brokenness of his city and of his people. And in all of that he never sinned. This man named Jesus. This man who was, who was appointed to be made high priest. But like the other, the, the, the old high priest, the man high priest... Jesus had to, had to deal with man's sin, but he didn't have to deal with his own. He didn't have to deal with, with his own sin because he didn't have any. He was sinless. He was perfect. But Jesus is, he is, isn't just our representative, though. He isn't just the representative who, who now, just like the old high priest, represents the people he isn't just the person who, who deals with the sin of the people. He isn't just that representative. And he isn't just our mediator who communicates with God. He isn't the, he's also the perfect sacrifice. He's also the perfect sacrifice. Where, where the old high priest had to bring an animal in or two animals in. Jesus was the sacrifice for us. This, this time, this, this means that, that when he suffered on the cross... He didn't just didn't just suffer for a moment. He suffered for all eternity. He suffered for the sins of all people. And I don't mean he suffered for eternity long. That's not what I'm saying. He was a perfect sacrifice. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to, I want you to see this. It's kind of looking ahead a little bit, but it's okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had suffered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Did you catch that? His sacrifice as a high priest, as the better high priest, was final. It was it. There was nothing left to do. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I did a word study on all, and all means all. Like, there's no doubt there. All time, those who are being sanctified. So not only did he represent us in our sin at the cross, but he also paid our debt on the cross. The, high, the previous high priest, the old high priest, couldn't do that. Only Jesus could as the better high priest. That's good news this morning. We can have assurance of our salvation, that our salvation is is certain and solid in the work of Jesus, the final work of him on the cross. But not only did he represent our sin on the cross and paying our debt, but he now represents us in heaven. And our scriptures this morning tell us that he, he deals gently with us. He identifies with us being human. And that representation and that dealing gently with us has brought us back into, into, into peace with God, into fellowship with God that the high, old high priest couldn't do. Back to Romans chapter 5. It says that, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God because we were once enemies with God, set apart Separated from God. We're now at peace with Him. We are with Him because of Jesus. The God who cannot look on sin. The God who, who cannot look on sin because He is holy and just now looks at His children and He looks on us because of Jesus and He sees Jesus and not our sin. The God who says that the, the wages of sin is death has kept his word, but the, the payment was paid by Jesus, not by us. The books have been zeroed. The books have been reconciled. There is no debt to be paid. By, by man's debt has been paid by Jesus, who was a man. The, the, the God who says he will judge the thoughts of men has already judged our thoughts on Jesus. Jesus is the better high priest. And we have assurance of salvation because of it. We are assured of our salvation because he is the better high priest. Because his sacrifice is final. And nothing changes that. There's no factors that can change that confidence and that assurance. Nothing. And that should give you confidence this morning. Much more than I had when I did that, when we started that puzzle. Much more on a greater scale. So point number two, and this is a first implication, point number two is we are living with an assurance of salvation when we accept that we can be fully human because Jesus was fully human. I'll say it again. We, you probably you got it up there too. We are living with an assurance of salvation when we accept that we can be fully human because Jesus was fully human. Now this does not mean that we can just sin and we get a license to con- constantly and... and all the time messed up. That's not what I'm saying. Romans 6, 1 uh, 1, 1 and 2 says, what shall we say then? Are we to just continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul says, by no means. Heck no. Absolutely not. But what it does mean is that we can be real. We can be honest with one another. Is that we can be sinners and not fear others because there is Grace. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 2 says, talking about the old, the old high priest, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Deal gently with the ignorant and wayward and weakness. Now if you can't, haven't caught this yet, we are ignorant, wayward, and weak. Those, that, those describe us. That's who we are. But Jesus can deal gently with us because he was fully human. John chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There is grace this morning. So when you're afraid to speak or to share or to stand, there is grace. When you think your sin is too much, there is grace. When you are paralyzed by shame, there is grace. And you may say, you don't know what I've done. There is grace. But what about this? There is grace this morning. Jesus knows and He has lived a life smelling our sin. A revelation that came to me just thinking about this analogy of the animals and smell. Jesus was born in a manger with the stench of animals. So immediately, He was brought into stench. Smell. And then he lived among the sinful, broken people for you and for me. There is no reason to fear anyone here on earth. There is no reason to be concerned with what they're going to say or what they may think. You are accepted this morning. You can be fully human. You can be real, and you can be honest because Jesus was human and real. There's also no reason to perform for, God, for God's love. You can't earn God's love. There's no reason to even try. He cannot love you anymore. His love is perfect. So we can be real and honest with others because of Jesus. No other reason He accepts you as you are and he deals gently with you because he was fully human. And you can be real and honest this morning. Our third point and final implication is is that we can live a life of freedom with assurance and confidence because Jesus is the source of our salvation. Verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 5 says, And being made perfect, speaking of Jesus, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We can live a life of freedom with assurance and confidence because Jesus is the source of our salvation. This means that nothing will remove you from him. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus isn't just our representative. He isn't just our mediator. He isn't just our sacrifice or payment, but he's also the source of our salvation. Your salvation is secure this morning. It is sealed. It is promised by God, sealed by Jesus in his blood. He cannot love you any less this morning. He cannot love you any more this morning than he does. His love is perfect and complete and that cannot be repeated enough. If you've acknowledged your sin, if you've repented of your sin, if you believe that Jesus died for your sin, then you are forgiven. And that forgiveness, that salvation, that forgiveness, that salvation comes from God. It does not come from within. It is nothing that you can work up to. There's nothing that you can strive for. There's nothing you can earn. But you can have assurance and confidence this morning because Jesus is the source of your salvation. And not only is he just a source, but there's no errors or mistakes in it. It's perfect. So you remember that puzzle? I was confident that we were going to finish it. I knew that we were going to finish it. We had a goal, a thousand pieces. I mean, I have four kids and my wife, so the six of us working on it, we were going to, we were going to get it. Spend time at the beach, come back, work on it. But there were factors out of my control that determined that it wasn't going to happen. Just not going to finish that puzzle. You're missing three pieces, Chris. But the error wasn't in, in, in my preparation. The error wasn't in my, my planning or, or walking through with them. My error wasn't in... In how I laid the pieces out or what furniture we were using, the error was in the source of that puzzle. Where that puzzle came from, the origin of that puzzle. This morning, if there is any doubt in you about Jesus and about salvation and about forgiveness and about his love, you can leave this morning with full confidence and assurance of his love. You can this morning. Because He is the source of salvation, not anything that we can conjure up. And you can leave knowing that Jesus loves you and that He accepts you for who you are. There are no factors that can change it. This morning, ask Him if He loves you. Ask Jesus if He loves you. Jesus, do you love me? Ask Him if He forgives you. Ask him if he accepts you and the answers will give you lasting confidence, lasting assurance, and they will last forever because you can no longer live in bondage to fear, shame, and doubt because he loves you, he accepts you, he forgives you, And he is the better high priest. His sacrifice was once and for all the final sacrifice. Hebrews 10, verse 11, And every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, the work had been completed. There's nothing left to do. Waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus is the better high priest. And with that comes assurance of salvation. With that comes confidence that that He loves you, that He accepts you, and there's no reason to doubt. He is the source of your salvation this morning. Let Him be that for you this morning. Let Him be your source of salvation, not Chris, not Brad, not Ben, not anybody in here. Let Jesus be the source of your salvation. Because he is. Because he is. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And uh, and I'm going to pray for us. And if you feel like you want to talk, if you feel God kind of stirring in you a little bit this morning, I'm going to be up here. Brad will be around. You can speak with Andrew too afterwards. Don't be afraid. Don't allow shame or fear to keep you from having full assurance that Jesus loves you, accepts you, and that his sacrifice was final. Let's pray together. Father, we There's not a lot we can we can do except worship you this morning. We can try to be good and we can try to work hard and we can try to to do the things, but we know that Your Word tells us that You accept us, that You love us as we are. And so God, we just, we want to be real and we want to be honest this morning. Our sin is real and it isn't good. But Your love for us is enough. Your love for us is is right and pure and good, and that you deal gently with us. So God, we pray this morning that your will would be done, not just in, in this building, but in the hearts of each person in here, that we would leave obedient to whatever call you have, whatever change you've shown us, whatever encouragement you've given us through your word, we pray your will would be done. In Jesus' name. Amen.